You're listening to the Golden West Podcast. I'm Ryan, your host. Join me as I explore the best in food and wine on the West Coast, including California, Oregon, and Washington. We're about to go on a journey, exploring the people and stories behind the vineyards, farms, and kitchens. So grab a drink, fire up your grill, pull up a seat to the table, and listen in. We'll talk about it coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by Kova Coffee. Kova is a specialty roaster out of Portland, Oregon, and they're known for single-origin coffees, and they're committed to long-term, sustainable partnerships with coffee producers. Now, if you're like me, I love coffee. I always start my day off with a cup or two. I make it by hand with a pour-over, but it doesn't matter how you make yours. You can use a pour-over, maybe use a Chemex, maybe you just use a basic Mr. Coffee machine. It doesn't matter, but what does matter is the beans. You don't want those burnt, over-roasted corporate coffee beans that you find in the grocery store, and I don't even bother with that store brand stuff. So here's what you do. I'm going to make it really easy for you. Just go to kovacoffee.com, that's C-O-A-V-A, coffee.com, and use our promo code, GOLDENWEST. You'll get $5 off your first purchase. Do it now while you're thinking about it, and your coffee will show up at your doorstep as soon as you know it. Today in the show, we have Samantha Rudd and Philip Tessier owner and executive chef at Press in the Napa Valley, respectively. Enjoy my conversation with Samantha and Philip. Sam and Philip, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's great having you here. So I think the first thing to do before we get into Press and the restaurants and all the great food is, Sam, let's get into your background first and growing up on Rudd Estate and kind of leading up to Press. Sure. So we uh, moved to Napa Valley when I was about eight years old. And so, you know, most of my life, I'm 32 now, so most of my life was spent there. Um, And my parents were total gypsies. They loved to move, move all over the place. And I think being an only child raised by people like that, I got a um, strong desire to root and really uh, stay in one place and I just connected so much to um, to Napa Valley, and just watched kind of as I was growing up my dad's love for Napa and um, his desire to, you know, really get part of that community. And um, from a philanthropic and business um, side of things, you know, get really entrenched in the community. And, and I loved it so much since from a young age. And most of my or all of my childhood memories in Napa revolve around, um, Red Estate and, and really press. Um, and yeah, I mean, my dad passed away two years ago. Uh, I was working in Bordeaux at the time at, um, Chateau Margaux on the winemaking side. And, um, I knew that when he got sick that, you know, I was planning to, to come home and truly always, that was sort of my goal anyways was to get back to the family business and um so yeah i've been back there full time um since 2017 yeah that's that's great and philip let's get into your background i was reading through here on the website and you have quite an impressive track record and background so let's let's get into it yeah sure i mean i consider myself you know pretty fortunate to have had people along the way, you know, point me in the right direction. Um, you know, from a young kid, I, 
at 16 working in a, in a hotel in Williamsburg, Virginia to, you know, culinary school, which, you know, led me eventually to France where, you know, I worked for about six months before returning to, to New York city. And, um, yeah, I found myself, you know, at La Bernadette at 21, um, kind of just living the young cook's life with no money and working myself to death. So that was always, uh, I don't know, somehow found, you know, the, the goal of working for the best and learning from the best and, and knowing that it would take me there, you know, somewhere, you know, down the road. So always enjoyed learning and, and being part of a team and kind of found myself uh, as part of the opening team at Per Se uh, with Chef Keller, you know, in, in 2004. Um, you know, I thought it was I thought I knew a lot of things and was a pretty good cook when I started there and realized I had a, a long ways to go. <laughs> um, you know, and so it, it kind of was a pretty amazing experience just growing up into that, in that, in that team with so many talented individuals and, and eventually finding my way to Napa, you know, to take over the reins at, at Bouchon uh, here in Yonville. Um, so that, that was kind of my first, you know, chef, chef role as a head chef and, you know, learned a lot running a restaurant through the recession and uh, through a significant remodel. Um, and then eventually kind of traveled in, you know, about a hundred yards up the road to the French laundry and uh, you know, was the executive sous chef there for a while. Um, you know, found myself somehow launched into the competition world um, through, you know, attending the Boku store competition in Lyon uh, in 2013 and kind of caught the bug there. And um, next four years, just spent most of my time competing in the Boku store, uh, just kind of like a culinary Olympics, if you will. And, um, and then coaching the team the following year, you know, while writing a book that eventually covered the full story. So um, yeah, it was, you know, amazing opportunities that I've had and, you know, really kind of, you know, coming to press and, and meeting Samantha, I think we kind of found ourselves at, an interesting juncture where, you know, I was looking to kind of launch out on my own, um, you know, the transition, you know, with, with Leslie Rudd passing and Samantha taking over kind of, you know, creating a different trajectory in some ways, you know, with the, the business that we're looking to develop together. So, um, you know, over the last you know year, it's been, you know, really interesting time in many ways with, uh, you know, the, the last four months, especially challenging us and, and yet also you know, allowing us to kind of keep an eye on the future and what we want to do while, you know, kind of navigating the, the current challenges. Yeah, that's great. And Sam, let's get into kind of the founding of Press uh, before, you know, these changes. And then we can talk about kind of the new vision that you both have for the restaurant. Sure. So my dad, um, you know, he, he traveled, traveled the world and any, every time he went, Anywhere, he would always look at the wine list, and typically they were always very re- reflective of the region the restaurant was in. And then he would feel like he'd come back to Napa, and they were, you know, either international list with a bit of a bit of uh, Napa Valley, or you know, a wide range of California and Oregon and Washington. Not a strong focus on Napa, and um, I think you know he, he wanted to create press for. for really to put Napa Valley on a pedestal, both from a culinary standpoint and from a wine standpoint. 
Yeah, and we're going to get into the amazing wine list. That was one of the first things when I first came to Napa and I was looking at different restaurants to go to. And I narrowed it down to basically one, which was press. And that was the, the one I wanted to go to based on um, you know, not only the food, but the amazing wine list. Uh, and I had such a great experience there. So before we kind of dive into you know, that wine list. Philip, let's talk a little about your vision for the menu and kind of the, some of the changes that you've made there. I was looking on the website and obviously you have a brand new kitchen staff, all new, uh, also building out new equipment in the kitchen. So there's changes all across the board. But first, let's start with the menu. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, been an interesting transition. I mean, you know, initially coming in was kind of a, a short-term commitment. And so it was kind of you know, let's let's make press a better a better version of itself. And then, you know, as we've kind of learned within the restaurant and, you know, understood its history and the clientele and, you know, who who's coming here on a consistent basis and the, the amazing relationships we have with so many winemakers and, and vendors across the valley, you know, um, I think the opportunity really became clear that, you know, this restaurant has an incredible amount of potential, you know, and with a wine list that's as extensive and you know, the quality that it represents, you know, really making sure that the food is, is equally representative. And so, you know, we've worked really hard to, um, you know, take the relationships we've had, you know, just working in the Valley for so long with, with the local farmers and, and developing those relationships here at press and continuing those. And then, you know, I think traditionally the, the, the menu here has been kind of a traditional steakhouse, you know, especially over the last few years. And, you know, I think, there's one way to kind of, you know, make a traditional steakhouse better, but I think, you know, more so is to kind of, you know, keep that relationship we have with Brian Flannery, who's, you know, one of the, you know, great uh, dry aging houses here on the, in, in the West coast and keeping that relationship we have with him, but, you know, expanding the menu out to be, you know, a lot more diverse and more reflective of, of kind of the, the locale that we're in here in Napa. So you know, we have some amazing talent in the team here that's, you know, kind of come on board over the last, you know, six to eight months and um, pretty excited actually for just kind of the potential we have. And, you know, there's, you know, an eye towards what's next as well beyond beyond press. But really the focus here right now is to, you know, create a quality that's consistent in in the wine and the level of, of, of the, that the wine represents and the food and, and also the service. Yeah. And Sam, talk a little about your vision and how you came to come together with Philip to really see this through. Um, I think it's important for people to know sort of our relationship and the history, how we connected, because I think it also speaks to the foundation at the restaurant and, and the sort of plans and the trust I have in him for the future. Um, we were introduced by uh, Oscar Henkett, who's the estate director at Rudd. And really, it, it was just basically, you know, Oscar had uh, worked for my dad and been part of the transition from at the winery with me taking over and he'd worked with press. And I think honestly, he just felt like, hey, I think that this would be a good person for you to meet. Um, and he might be able to give you some advice and um, talk about sort of the restaurant world and the future of press. And Phil, tell me if I'm like dramatizing this, but I remember it was like a, it was in the winter and we were in my office and we, you know, I think you came in in the afternoon and we talked 
what I remember being like two hours and I looked outside and it was dark. And we just really talked about business and life and values, principles, hard work, um, partnership. And we're very like transparent and um, vulnerable, I guess, about like, you know, goals we had, fears we had, um, like, you know, work we were willing to wanting to put in both in our in our separate sort of paths. Um, and then I remember, I mean, he left and it, I was like, okay, I'm motivated to come up with a solution type to get a good leader um, in at press. And then, you know, I guess it was a bit serendipitous. It, it sort of worked out and, and kind of has the whole way and that as Phil alluded to, we initially kind of were like, look, can you just come on short term and help us kind of get on the path that we want to um, with your like discipline and background and, and leadership. And then I think, you know, a lot of this has, of our partnership has really been a trust and a leap of faith for each other. Um, you know, we haven't worked together that long, but it's felt like uh, sort of vision and values from the beginning has made you know, restaurant business is hard anyways, let alone during a global pandemic where I, restaurants, you know, were hit incredibly hard. And um, I think like, at least speaking for myself, that, you know, I believe watch what people do, not what they say. And um, Phil's actions have always been like upstanding and, um, tr- you know, trustworthy. So I felt like that my dad always said, you know, his partners were what made him um, so successful. And so I knew that when my dad passed away, it was sort of on me to make the partnerships of what would be, the, you know, we call it the red collection, but, um, you know, the business is going forward. So we were, I was lucky to, to meet Phil at the time that I did. Yeah. And I'll edit this piece out, but Phil, why don't you just respond to that? That was great. Yeah, I mean, I think our initial meeting, you know, kind of came in some interesting circumstances because I, um, you know, I was looking to open my own restaurant and was kind of looking for the next opportunity and a mutual friend sort of introduced us. And so uh, when I came in to look at what press was, I mean, you know, honestly, a steakhouse wasn't kind of where I was headed in life, you know, after Boku store and French laundry. But um, yeah, I, I was intrigued by, you know, the history you know, of the, of the Rudd family and, and, and saw the potential that press had, you know, in itself. And so, um, you know, I think the key thing, you know, Samantha talked a little bit about, you know, some of our fears and things. I think that, you know, the, the thing I've seen consistently in our, in our business as, as a restaurant business is, is a lot of super talented young chefs kind of finding their way to, you know, what seems like a great opportunity, but having it kind of fall apart down the road. And, you know, I think that's really been, the story here is, you know, that, that transparency of, you know, looking at, do our visions align, do our, do our ideas and, and kind of what we see in terms of, of quality and goals and, and how we want to, you know, treat and take care of our staff and, you know, what impact we want to have on both the community around us and, and, you know, our, our respective industries. And so it's been, you know, a pretty, a pretty great ride just, you know, over the last year, kind of seeing, you know, again, that, you know, we, we can all have a conversation, but making sure that like we actually are acting on what we're doing. And um, yeah, I think the, the, 
the key thing that's come through all of this is, you know, my shift is focused away from, you know, sort of doing my own thing and finding my own restaurant and really becoming, you know, a part of what press is here in, in the future and, and looking to expand, um, you know, the team even beyond that. So, you know, it's been, um, you know, I think really great to see just the the passion and pursuit for, for quality that we, that we both share. And, also, you know, I think the key word is, is just the patience, you know, to get there. Um, and I think that's one of the key things that's always challenging is just recognizing, you know, the, the long-term goal. And it doesn't mean that we're not consistently pushing the, the gas pedal, but, you know, making sure that we're doing it in a way that is really built for, for you know, long-term sustainability. So, I mean, I think we're pretty excited and I'm also pretty excited to open up my own restaurant this year. So <laughs> yeah, it's worked out pretty well. Yeah, that's great. Now let's get into the food here so I can see the menu online and um, for people who want to follow along, we're going to have the website in the show notes, but it's uh, pressnapavalley.com if you're listening by a computer. Now you have a lunch and a dinner menu and um, what struck me by looking at the menus is how it's a kind of a short menu list, or at least from what I gathered. And right away, that usually means to me, like, you know, you're doing a few things really, really well, and um, the quality is going to be really high. And of course, it's, it's more than just a few things. It's a, it's a, you know, quite a, a nice list you have here. So let's get into starting with the lunch menu, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, actually, a lot of the changes have come, you know, as a result of, you know, the initial closure we had, we, basically ran a fast food takeout operation for a couple months. And, you know, when we reopened, it was kind of an opportunity for us to sort of, you know, reflect on what we had been doing and, and also looking at kind of what the, the time sort of demanded of us. And so we really kind of, um, like you mentioned, you know, really focused the, the effort on, um, you know, doing less things and doing them really well. Um, and so we kind of really branched out the menu to be, a little bit, a little bit more composed. Um, you know, I think the goal is to make sure we're, we're never being, you know, fussy or pretentious here. Um, you know, we have all, all sorts of levels of, of clientele that come in and, you know, we want it to be a place where you come in in a shorts and a t-shirt if you want, or come in and have a formal business dinner. Um, and, and so I think we've, we're finding that we're really striking that chord and, you know, really looking at a kind of diverse list of, different seafood items, especially, you know, on the, on the first courses and on the appetizer side of the menu. Um, and then expanding that out towards, you know, including, um, you know, a lot of vegetable dishes now that are, you know, before it was kind of the traditional side model. And, and now it's more of, you know, some of the local seasonal vegetables that we're getting and creating a little bit more of a composed, you know, dish around that, that can also pair with other dishes on the menu. So, you know, the, We've shortened kind of the the list a little bit, but it, it's, um, you know, the dry aged options are still there. And, um, you know, we've expanded to include Snake River Farms now on the menu, um, which you know, I've had a long, long relationship with. Um, so I, I don't know, it feels really good right now, just the sense that we have kind of this, you know, more local focus. We have the farms in there that are, you know, really, I mean, kind of weave themselves through every dish. You know, we, we traditionally have listed kind of the farms, the name of the farm and certain things. And then we kind of realized it would be on every line of the menu. So, you know, sort of just kept it short and simple. And, you know, I think we've, we've had obviously some clientele been coming for a long time, kind of, you know, looking for that traditional steakhouse, but more than anything, we've 
just really been excited with the feedback that we get from from the locals who feel like you know they're really getting a totally different experience here that that's you know been elevated but but in a way that's approachable as well yeah and you talk here on the website talks about the obviously the dry aged beef and fresh sustainable seafood and vegetables grown at local farms like you said if you listed everyone it would be take up probably the entire menu but talk a little about and you touched on this already with snake river farms and flannery beef you know the the top top producers talk a little more about that and sam maybe you could chime in on your philosophy on this as well. This has been such a big theme, I think, for, you know, just people in general, as as more people are interested in what they're putting in their body, whether it be organic food or fresh food or shopping at a local farmer's market and what that means for, um, you know, for the restaurant. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the one of the key things, especially, I mean, I, this year, you know, when you, everything hit in March, you know, the the first thing that that you recognize is how key the relationships we have are and, you know, our relationships with our purveyors has just been um, extremely impactful, you know, both through, um, you know, the, the ability to sustain, sustain the business, but also a lot of the other initiatives that we've taken. So, you know, we started a, you know, a, a charity you know, with the Boys and Girls Club here in St. Helena and Calistoga called Feed Our Families. And, you know, we were looking for people to help support the the program. And, you know, Brian Flannery made several donations and, you know, Snake River Farms reached out to them and, you know, 1,500 pounds of product showed up two weeks later, um, you know, to help feed the the families and kids here in the community. And, you know, that, that kind of relationship just doesn't happen overnight, you know, and, you know, the the thing about, you know, these two producers and and the farms that we use is, is just the conversations that we have on a weekly basis and understanding kind of how they make their decisions and how they influence what we do in the restaurant. Um, You know, I was privileged to kind of travel with Snake River Farms on a couple of different occasions. And, you know, when you're on a, on a Wagyu ranch, you know, in the middle of Montana and they're telling you there's 300,000 acres here that these cattle roam on, you know, and just basically like, wild animals. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing to see the links and the extent of, of, that they go through and the relationships that they have. Um, and, and so I think it's really that kind of transparency with the process and, and kind of knowing what the practices are and, and the attitudes behind them. And, you know, it's, it's very similar in on the wine side and I, I know Smith, I can talk to that as well. Yeah. And, yeah. And go ahead, Sam. No, I was just going to say, I mean, on, on, you know, the cool thing about, I think a restaurant, um, especially if you really take the time and do the work to find other, I mean, I'll use the word craftsmen, um, whether it's on the farm side of things or, or winemaking side of things, it just breathes a whole new life into the restaurant. Um, whether it's because the Psalms, you know, the morning before their service, they had breakfast with the winemaker and that evening they sell a bottle of the wine that that person made. I mean, it, you know, the, the businesses we're in are, um, you know, forms of, of art and, and I think then, you know, lead to very passionate people. So, um, having these relationships, whether it's with a, a farm or, um, a different purveyor or obviously the, on the wine side of things, it's inspiring. Um, and I think important for us to support local 
people too. Yeah, that's a great point. And let's talk a little about the wine list. So uh, people listening, you can pull up a PDF of the wine list through the website, which I love. Um, and I often go back to it to see if there's any changes every you know, month or two or kind of check back in. Um, and the bottles on here are just amazing for people who know wine. This really is, you know, such a world-class and one of the most incredible wine lists and probably the most incredible wine lists of, of Napa Valley and not just Napa Cab, even though it's heavy on that, but some really interesting other kind of off the beaten track finds. So talk a little about, you know, this list and maybe how, obviously how it got started. You talked a little about that with your father, but how it's evolved over time and where it is now. Sure. I mean, I think that the it's evolved in the sense that, you know, we're always looking um, to keep the list full and keep the verticals um, complete. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's evolved in that sense, but I think, you know, that it has been a solely Napa Valley wine list hasn't evolved. And, you know, we definitely get criticism in that, um, you know, it is very challenging to find Napa, old Napa Valley wines. And, I, there's something to me that I like about that being principled about the wine list because I think it challenges the wine team um, to, I don't know, it's like, you know, sometimes when you live in a place, you don't sort of try to discover it because you feel like you know it. And I think that um, in being clear that we want it to be a Napa Valley list forces the team to, um, explore their own backyard uh, and really push producers too about, Hey, we need, you know, what else are you doing? What are cool things you're doing on the side? What are things nobody's ever heard of? Um, And even, you know, finding ways to support people that are maybe making very, you know, very, very small quantities of Napa Valley wines, varietals that are coming in and out of fashion. Um, Yeah. So I think it's, you know, I love that it's a Napa Valley list. And I think that that's part of why we get such amazing support from the locals. I think for better or for worse, a lot of them feel like it's their restaurant, which I, I love because I mean, it's, it's challenging because they have high expectations, which is, which is good. But I also think, um, you know, they feel very much part of what we're doing, uh, which I think is unique. Yeah. And one great thing about the wine list is, as you mentioned, you do have, you know, verticals for many different labels here I'm looking at. And oftentimes people are looking for that old world type of, not old world uh, type of wine, but um, rather the old school kind of Napa wine of the 70s and maybe 80s. So Maya Camus, Maya Camus, Frog's Leap. And, you know, you have wines going back to, gosh, well, I, I know going back to 1950s, but I'm sure 60s, 70s, and, and 80s in that range. Mm-hmm. Philip, how do you think about, you know, food and wine? And obviously, there's psalms at the restaurant to people help do pairings and things. But how do you think about integrating you know, food and wine when you think about the menu itself? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a... It's actually, a, oddly enough, a young conversation here, you know, in terms of, you know, how do we how do we make what we're doing here from the food side more more intentional? You know, I think, you know, for a long time, it's been 
okay, there's Napa cabs. What goes great with cab? Well, let's, let's have steak, you know, and that, that becomes kind of the easy answer. And so, you know, I think what, what we're really working on and, and developing as we, as we move forward is kind of a more, you know, intentional food program that, you know, not only has a menu that we, we develop together with the sommelier team, but also, you know, special events and, um, you know, special dinners that we, you know, want to do in a, when the, when the world returns to a more normal state, you know, that is really featuring, um, not just your traditional winemaker dinner per se, but really the, I think that the thing that I value here is, is the, the history that's in the walls here. And, you know, I think for the, the times that I've traveled and the different restaurants I've been to, especially some of the ones that are, you know, landmark establishments, 40, 50 years old, you know, you, you, you feel like you're you're getting a history lesson. You feel like you're understanding and learning something through through just having dinner. And um, you know, I think that's really something that you know is is on is on the list here for us as we move forward to kind of really you know develop those ideas. And um, you know, I know the Sommelier team here works super hard to visit all of the wineries. I think you know last year was a hundred wineries in a year, and you know, kind of really understand where things are coming from and understanding the people behind it. So, you know, I think kind of creating those stories and as they, you know, sort of intertwine, you know, creates a, a unique uh, guest experience. And I think there's a, just bringing it back to also local farms um, that we support. I mean, if you think about, you know, the <clears throat> wines are grown, you know, the grapes are grown, they're coming from the soil, the food is coming from the soil. I mean, I think that's, the also a way there the food and wine is connected um even at a deeper deeper level yeah no that's great and i when you look at the wine list like i said it's you know you're looking to go into different varietals not just cabernet and as the the food program changes and evolves. So it will be great to see what happens over time and how, you know, the wine list does evolve as well uh, with the food program. And I think people will be excited to uh, see what happens there. Let's get into what's happening for kind of boots on the ground for people listening who want to come out to press. So you've had the, the drive through and then you had the wine through and then um, you were doing, you're obviously still doing to go and now you have a patio that's open. So let's touch on some of those things so people can know how to interact and, and support you guys. Yeah, I think one of the, key things that we've started, you know, in response to everything here is, is actually adding a lunch service, you know, previously, you know, we've been dinner only. So, you know, I think, I think lunch is actually a perfect space here. You know, we have a pretty significant size outdoor space and, you know, being that we're outdoor only at the moment, um, you know, really worked over the last several weeks to a month to make that as comfortable as possible. And, uh, you know, I, I think um, the staff, you know, I think, I, I don't know, just came back from a, a week away and, you know, I, I think that comfort level that you have when you go out somewhere that that sort of trust of, you know, where you're going is, is pretty significant, especially, you know, right now. And, um, you know, I think we've worked really hard to make, you know, everyone feel comfortable coming in here that, that we're following the right protocols and things. And I think, um, you know, the patio space we have here, I mean, I think it's, it's a beautiful space when, you know, you're out there in the evening and, it's the weather's great that, um, you know, it, it doesn't get much better than that. And I think, um, you know, the opportunity to come here and, and to enjoy 
getting out in a time where, you know, I myself, I think my wife and I haven't been on a date since March. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's creating that opportunity for people. And I think one of the key things that, you know, we, we've traveled and the decisions we've made through, you know, the last four months and do we stay open? Do we do this? And that is just really, how do we, how do we take care of the staff? How do we take care of the community around us? And, um, you know, I think one of the things that has kind of, I've learned over the, the years being, you know, in hospitality is that, you know, the biggest power that we have is, is just to, to create memories for people. And, you know, I think memories from a time like this are going to be the memories you carry with you, you know, that are going to be clearest and, and the longest. And so, you know, if we can create that, that memory for people, especially in a time like this and find a way to put a smile on their face, um, you know, I think that's, that's the biggest win that we can have right now. Yeah, and Sam, talk a little about this transition. And obviously, as you mentioned, it's been tough for everybody, but restaurants really being hit the hardest. And you've also done some charity work where you're, you know, donating meals and things like that. So talk about, you know, there are a lot of negative things here, but you know, maybe we could touch on just a few of the positive things. Um, and you know, looking forward, hopefully things are will only improve. Sure. I mean, I think the character of the team, I mean, I, you know, we haven't been, none of us have truly been working together um, that long when, when COVID sort of hit us all. And I think for me as an owner and, and, you know, sort of starting to create a new team uh, at the restaurant, to then go into, you know, such an unprecedented, incredibly challenging time um, for individuals and and for restaurants to see the way that the team has handled it, especially, um, you know, our, our leadership team has just sort of solidified that, um, you know, I definitely made, made the right decisions and um, just what like speaks to their character. I mean, it was no questions and, and speaks to sort of Phil's leadership and the trust his team has in him, because it was just like overnight we went from, a, you know, essentially a, a fine dining restaurant to a drive-through, no questions asked. Like everyone was just completely on board. Um, and I think the you know way that that will connect us all, I think, will help us in business going forward. You know, you don't typically have those type of um, things come up in, in business where you're all, you know, it's like truly unprecedented. No one has been through anything like this. So to have such a strong team and everybody coming together, supporting um, each other and the business changes that we're making, I think has been really inspiring and excited makes me even more excited uh, to do more together because um, hey if I feel like hey if we can get through this and handle it with the elegance and and humility that the team has then when times are good and people are you know we're in a loud indoor restaurant again uh, we'll be like hey this is easy. Yeah, that's great. And on the website here, people can make a reservation. So as Philip mentioned, uh, the new lunch menu and the lunch service is available. Um, and people can also do a curbside pickup, which is great. So, you know, you can call in and place an order and, and drive over. So there's a bunch of ways to, to interact and, and support, um, 
you know, the, the, what you guys are doing here. Lastly, I usually just try to have some fun and ask guests what type of food and wine pairings they've been drinking lately. Usually it's um, really heavy on like a soft blanc or rosé with the heat. But, you know, maybe, Sam, you could talk about uh, like a, a memorable wine or a few memorable wines that you've had from the wine list. I mean, I don't know. There's so many that that you could probably pick, but, and then Philip, maybe talk a little about, uh, you talked about creating memories with food. So a, a happy or a great memory that you've had in the past. And- yeah. Well, on the food front, I will, uh, I'll give you a very recent memory. <laughs> so uh, yeah, last, last week just took some time away after, you know, a challenging four months, especially. And, uh, you know, we we're up at Lake Tahoe and, and my son discovered uh, that there's crayfish in the lake. And uh, proceeded to catch one crayfish per family member, and then bring them home, and wanted to cook them. So, oh, wow! <laughs> we uh, we 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 got our first taste of crayfish as a family, and it was pretty cute watching them all, uh, you know, cook them themselves and peel them and dip them in butter. And you know, I think something as, as simple as that, just you know, seeing where something came from, you know, catching it yourself, and you know, understanding that that whole process from beginning to end just, you know, gives you a pre- an appreciation that you just never forget. And, um, you know, I think even for myself, you know, I'll, I'll always think of that memory when I come across crayfish in the future. So. Yeah, it's a great story. It's, it's great watching kids do what kids do. Um, and they're so honest and, and so full of energy. So, uh, yeah, Sam, did you have yeah, any? I think one of the most memorable moments for me at press was the night that we, um, opened our our wine cellar and we had um, the whole entire restaurant was closed it was like a d- huge dinner party of um, kind of the founding people of of Napa Valley um, and it was amazing to hear you know Marguerite Mondavi, Warren Wanowski, Robin Lale um, just in, you know incredible people all together in one room no ego it was really all about celebrating Napa Valley and and where we come and when, where we all, you know, we're being excited about what, what was to come. And, um, Warren Winowski gave an amazing speech, um, about his sort of vision and story for Napa. And he poured the 73 Stag's Leap, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, which won the judgment of Paris tasting in 76. So that was definitely a memorable, memorable moment for me. <laughs> That's an amazing story and uh, and something I know you'll never forget. Every once in a while, I hear a story about one of those Judgment of Paris wines being opened. Um, and it's very, very few and far between. I know Chateau Monalena, I was hearing on a webcast or podcast or something. I think they still have a few bottles of of that vintage, that, that one. But there are not too many left between <laughs> between the two, I bet. Great. Sam and Philip, really appreciate having you on. And again, we're going to have the links here in the show notes and people can follow along, hopefully, after they've gone out and tried some great food and maybe even listen back again and hear some of the insights and the behind the scenes stories. So uh, Sam and Philip, really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today. If you like the show, we encourage you to tell a friend. 
You can support the show by subscribing to our email newsletter for just five bucks a month. Find it on our website at goldenwestpodcast.com. In it, you'll find unique bottles from both popular and undiscovered winemaking talent, among other things. If you have feedback, find us on Twitter at goldenwestpod, or you can email us at goldenwestpodcast at gmail.com. As a reminder, all opinions expressed by guests are solely their own and may or may not reflect the views of their employer or any other affiliated entity. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a basis for investment decisions or any other advice. Please eat and drink responsibly and thanks for listening.